0: Hi, and welcome to episode 225 of the Untethered Podcast. Today, I have Jessie Bloyce joining us. Jessie is an SLP QOM, business owner and inner work coach for women. Personally, she's a wife, mother, advocate of helping women feel seen, supported, and successful. Her career has evolved over the past 15 years. By following her heart and intuition, she's been led to where she is today. Her passion for helping others is what originally got her started in the field of speech pathology. When she saw that there was a need and an opportunity to provide better, more holistic care, she found... Fox Therapy Services. It was then that she stepped into her new roles of business owner and inner work coach. No matter what course she took or what coach she worked with, it was not until she learned about who she is and why she acts, feels, believes, does what she does, and was truly able to elevate her life and her own business. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified myofunctional therapist, feeding specialist, podcaster, business owner, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy airway tethered oral tissue and pediatric feeding therapy space if you're new here i challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to spread this message far and wide if you've been around since june 2019 thanks for being a loyal listener as we jump into today's episode remember to listen with correct oral rest posture tongue up lips closed teeth apart breathe through your nose let's get started
1: Hey Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Holly. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yay. Okay. So my excitement stems from the fact that like, I've known, I've known you for years now. And been yeah. like when we didn't know each other in the early days, it still felt like we knew each other forever. So yeah. I love this is coming like full circle. And you're now like on the podcast and talking about business related topics, which is super yeah. fun.
1: Yeah. Well, do you remember Holly, the very first time we spoke, My company was kind of just like this dream in my head. And I reached out to you because as we'll talk throughout the podcast, I'm a huge believer in if someone else has walked the path, learn from them. Don't spend five years learning what you could learn in a couple months. Pay for the coach, pay for the helper, reach out, just put yourself out there in situations. So I had contacted you, I don't even know how many years ago now, to be like, hey, I kind of want to do this thing. Tell, Tell me what you think.
0: Yes. I remember that. And I, and that I feel like was like back in some of my earlier days of like mentoring other private practice owners too. And like, it started as a hobby. And then I started moving into like, actually like coaching for like, you know, a fee and then it's just kind of evolved over the years. And yeah, I mean, I, I do remember that. And then I remember like, you know, we had a conversation like last summer about like other business ideas and ventures and things. And I was like, ah, I love this. It's like all coming so full
1: circle. It totally did. And I I love it. And now my relationship with you professionally and personally is just so important to me. So I'm so happy to be here. And I mean, hiring is something that I can talk about. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's like a little bit. Um, so like the bane of a lot of our existence lately, like just like you, me, coaching, mentor, clients, I have a lot of, Private practice owners I've been talking to and business owners too. It just yeah. so much has changed
1: in the past couple of years as far so as so much can- has changed since COVID. Yeah. With hiring. I mean, I challenge anyone to walk around the mall and see if they can count less than like at least 50 the 50% of the stores having a you know, hiring sign. Maybe more. People are hiring because it's it's a different world out there, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is. So tell us real quick. So everyone kind of understands yeah. like your background a little bit as far as like business ownership goes. So okay. what, you know, tell us about your business, how many employees you have, admin, therapists, et cetera. So they understand like,
1: you know, your background as far as hiring. Okay. So I was, um, I'm a speech language pathologist and a myofunctional therapist. I started out in the schools. I was in the schools for about a decade, which is around the time I originally reached out to you. Um, and then I started my company called Fox Therapy Services. Originally, my idea was to just be a sole provider, build up my own caseload. But then the next person calls and you don't have room. And I always felt this moral obligation to help these kiddos get services. So I would bring on another SLP. And this is back in the day when California was allowed to have contractors. And mm-hmm. I miss those days. Um, So I had different contractors working for me and it was great. And then AB5 passed and we had switched to employees and it made things messy. And then the other thing I went ahead and made messy at the time was now that we were able to treat more kiddos, I started to get phone calls that said, I just can't afford that because private pay is expensive. So I thought, well, you know what? Everyone should be able to access good services, all contract with insurance companies, if anybody out there is on the fence about contracting with insurance companies, I am happy to speak with you. There's pluses and there's minuses, but the minuses are really minus. and you just need to know what you're about to get yourself into. But because I do contract with insurance companies, we are able to help a lot of families. And then so I had a, a good team before Covid hit. And then Covid hit. everything kind of got turned upside down. And, Once we came back, we came back in June. So we went out in March and we came back in June. I kind of had to rebuild my company at that point. But during that time, there was a lot of growth and we actually added multidiscipline. So we went from speech therapy only, and I did some myofunctional therapy to now speech therapy, myofunctional therapy, occupational therapy, feeding therapy, and we have a lactation consultant um who's in part time as well. So it's it's great we're able to do a lot. I love the collaboration. And at this point Box has been around for about 8 years now and we have an admin team of 3. We have um an OT team of 3. One also does feeding therapy and actually just went through your myo program and is doing myofunctional therapy which is amazing. And I would say on our speech side at the moment, I'm not going to sit here and count, but about seven. So we we go anywhere between 15 and 20 employees at a time, depending on just the need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So you've had your fair share over the years of you know having a private practice now in terms of hiring and. You know, yeah. and I'm sure it's it's true in every business. You know, I used to always think it was like very much so part of me having my private practice. One, we don't have a brick and mortar. Two, I'm in a DMV. And I feel like that DC metro area is super transient with like people moving in for government jobs and then people moving out. And so like spouses kind of following their spouse. And I don't know, you know, if you found this to be true but I feel like speech pathology is one of those professions they sell you where it's like, oh, it's super flexible. You'll always have a job. Like if you have a traveling spouse or something or you're gonna move a lot in your lifetime Like you can go work in the schools, you can work in a hospital, you can work in a private practice. And so I feel like there's that plus like people get pregnant and go on maternity leave. Some come back, some don't like people, you know, decide they want time off or they're going to go to Europe for a year. And then they want their position when they come back. I mean, we've had like all different kinds of like different scenarios. Typically it's like, Either I'm getting married and moving away, my my you know significant other's job is moving, I'm moving to be closer to my parents, or um, what's the other one? Do I say pregnancy already having a baby? I don't know. So it's it's, it's like true. usually one of those.
1: It's true. Well, we you know speech therapists are primarily women, and so you see a lot of that. There's a lot of women getting pregnant, having babies, and then you know they have one idea of how they're going to come back, and that changes also when COVID happened, it was the moms mostly that said, like, I have to stay home. I have to take care of my kids. I have to school my kids. So that shifted everything a ton. I used to employ women my age. And then after COVID, it was new grads. And yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's a different demographic and yeah. And then there's the travel and then there's also trying because our degrees, which I don't necessarily agree with, but they can take us from a school to a hospital, to a private practice. People want to try out different things. Um, And then another thing that I think I've encountered, because I am a small family-owned business, 20 miles outside of LA and Beverly Hills, I am not as big as some of these really big companies in that area. So I do have mostly Um, People who haven't been working as long, they'll come and they'll work for us, but the grass does seem greener in these bigger companies with more flexibility, higher pay, different packages. Um, So there's a lot of reason to see people come and go, but that is why I've become so specific in my hiring process. Yes. For
0: better or worse. Right. Because it's, it like can super limit your candidate pool in an already super
1: limited candidate pool. It is really limited. And I mean, if one thing I would love grad programs, if we could let in more than 12 to 16 people at a time, that would be huge for the profession. We need bigger graduate programs.
0: That's interesting. I feel like I, and that's a really good point. My graduating class, I think, had like 26 or 28. Oh, that's and huge. I, that I had like 13. Well, and they were like, "This is the largest that like we've ever had," and I don't yeah. know what the sizes have been since then at Maryland, but it was. They were like, "This is a really large group." And I, I believe it was like twenty eight or so. Um, I could be off by a few people, but yeah, it was. It was like big, and I was like, "This is big." Like, yeah, isn't there That's- such a need for what we do? If there's such a demand, why are we not letting more people into the program? And I, I also get it to an extent because like. Like at least at my university, there was a clinic and there's only so much room on a schedule with patients. If you're actually participating in the clinic and you're, you know, in order to make sure everybody gets experience with everything and how it works with all the mentors in the program, I can understand that that might be a limitation, but also like a lot of our time was spent outside of the
1: clinic at outplacements. So I feel like there's Mm -hmm. also a way to overcome that. Um, There must be a why, because I feel like it's everywhere, but I, I hope somewhere in all this people are looking for a solution because what's happening is they're graduating like 12 to 16 graduates at a time. And then you have to think some of them want to go travel for a little bit, or some of them aren't going straight to work. And then that pool gets even more limited and there's, there's schools and there's companies. We have such a need and it makes it really challenging because then, um, Because then the applicant's more in control than the owner of the business.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And I do know a lot of speech pathologists, a lot of moms, I should say, that have gone through graduate programs. They can practice as speech pathologists, but they're not practicing because they're staying home with their kids. And so, you know, to your point, like there is definitely, there's a huge need. There's a huge need. Um, But yeah, I want to talk to about, because I know this is like, Definitely a topic that you and I both agree on and hire from um this perspective, if you will, but kind of following, you know, your own intuition and following Mm -hmm. like your own value system when it comes to hiring and like
1: what is that what does that look like for you? And you know, speak to that a little bit. So yeah, that's where I'm at now, a hundred percent. I if the energy's off, if the vibe's not there. We're just not going to do it. I have an amazing clinical director, Bree, and we've kind of been through it. And now we're both very aligned in our mindset of if it doesn't feel right, we're not going to do it just to do it. I'll keep the wait list mm-hmm. instead of hiring because I have the need. But I I came to this place, Hallie, because I had so many unfortunate moments of hiring because I needed to fill that need, and there were people on the wait list, and someone's leaving, and I have to take over that caseload. So somebody walks in and you're like, okay, we're gonna do it. Like they're able, they can start. It all the boxes are getting checked. That's fine. Let's do it. And when my gut in those moments told me it wasn't a good idea, I have never been wrong. Mm-hmm. I've never been wrong. And I find out nine months to a year or a year and a half later that I should have trusted my instinct. I've even had um different business coaches, not Holly guys say like no this is the one you need to hire they have more experience where my gut was telling me to hire someone with less experience um and i listened and it didn't work out so i have really really learned that trust yourself when you're hiring do not hire just to hire because you need to protect what you're trying to build in this company and you want to create a certain environment for your team. And if that gets disrupted, even by one person, it's a domino effect and creating a culture that has positive energy and good teamwork to me is more important than the growth of the company happening at a faster rate.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I think to, to that, you know, to that point, ultimately at the end of the day, I think your company will grow and sustain growth at a faster rate. If you're hiring the right people, it just may take time to find those people. And so it kind Absolutely. of, I think on the front end, like, you know, and I know that you've said this and I, I alluded to this in the last couple episodes, knowing that we were going to talk about this, but the whole topic of like mm-hmm. hire slow, fire fast, like let's dive in there because we can come okay. back to talking about like value systems and following your intuition and everything. And I think it, it's all interrelated. But it can be, it can feel like painful in a way to like hire slow. And you're like, but this, this person could do the job. But like something in my gut is telling me, no, like, you know, people go, okay, that's great, Hallie. Okay. That's great, Jesse. But like, how do you hire slow
1: and why wouldn't you just bring that person on? You know, like, yeah, well, that's a great question. And that's why for so many years I did. But guys, when you have it go South enough times, you're it's just not worth it anymore to rush the process everybody is gonna present their best foot forward in an interview. So when every when people say like, how did the interview go? I don't really like to attribute much to how the interview went. I'm more about like, how quick did you respond to my emails? Did you send me a follow-up thank you? Which I feel like is a lost art. Um, were you communicative if you were running late? Did you show up early? I'm more looking at what you're, how you're being instead of what you're doing in that interview because everybody can show up and present What you want to see in an interview also people said well did you call their references guys they choose who their references are and references can't say anything negative so why would i call i mean maybe sometimes here and there i will but i look at their resume how long have you stayed at companies how are your emails to me those are the things i'm looking for because i don't know i mean i'm going to interview you but i'm going to take it with a grain of salt And I honestly, if I have the time and I'm really curious, I'll call a reference. Otherwise it's just not worth my time.
0: I'm pretty sure that that was the conversation I had on last week's episode. About like references, that like that's not really something I, you know, because I was kind of talking about this the operating procedure of like hiring somebody and you know, saying like you can ask for references, but exactly what you just said, like you're gonna obviously pick the best people or someone who you think is gonna speak highly of you. You're not gonna pick the person who fired you, you know. And and also, you know, what is that reference gonna tell me that's gonna shape my decision? Like. I need to spend time with the person. Like you said, it, it's very energetically based. And I it love really is. That. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, like, I know right away when I talk to somebody, you mm-hmm. know, people have said to me, they're like, your, your hiring process is strange. Like they were like, it was so weird that like, it was very conversational based. And like, you didn't mm-hmm. like, I have therapists working on my team because I live in a different state now that I have never met in person. And mm-hmm. I had drinks with one of them when I was in Maryland a couple weekends ago. <laughs> and she was like, I can't believe that like, I've worked for you for this long. And like, I've never met you in person. And now we're going to sitting here having drinks. And I was like, yeah, but you know what it is? Like, it's exactly what you said. As soon as I start talking to somebody, either the energy is aligned or it's not. And that's that intuitive piece. That's knowing like, oh yeah, this is someone who can represent my company. This is someone who understands who we are, who could be a part of this team, who carries forward the values that we put forward on our, you know, on our, in our team. And even me individually as a human, um, like if, if I can't hang with you, if like, then you're not right for my business because that's who people are. That's what someone's expecting when they come to my business. You know, like yeah. I'm not this large conglomerate of 75 practices with a very cold, right. you know, approach to therapy. Like, no, this is like your Fox. Right. And I am, you know, little sprout, but it's my face on it. And so yeah. you know, people want me, they expect me and mm-hmm. you know, even though they're not getting me. Cause I'm not treating right now. Like they're getting my team and that has to reflect
1: me. It does. Because At the end of the day, if something goes South, it's your, you're the one that needs the answer for it. And It's really, really important that the team that's representing the company represents us in a way that's important to me. I always say that if a family is coming to Fox, this is not for fun. It's not a dance class. It's not soccer practice. They're coming to us because their child needs help. And if that family is a difficult family or not a difficult family, they all deserve grace. And I want therapists representing us that have the ability to have that patience and that grace and hold that space for that family. And, my, and the therapists at Fox do, I, it has taken me time, but we have the most beautiful team. Everybody is so supportive of one another and they're so good to the families and the admin and the therapists collaborate and work well together. But it took a lot to to figure out what we needed to do to cultivate that. But now that I have, I am so protective of it. Even if the best hire on paper presents themselves, if the energy could be thrown off, it's just, I can't say yes. I can't say yes. Even if it's hurting the company in in the process, because it, it might help the company in the moment, but it will hurt the company in an even more damaging way if you let someone come in and disrupt that energy. Or if you know they're not gonna stay for a long time because at least in our company turnover is hard, especially in this profession, it's just happening. But it's hard on the clients, first of all. It's hard on the team. It's hard on the company as a whole. It's just really hard. So we have to be very mindful of the decisions that we're making when we're creating the teams that we're creating. And part of that is hiring slow if we were hiring for an occupational therapist right now and we had an applicant and she emailed in and Bree emailed her back and said, Jesse, I just haven't heard back from her yet. I'll follow up with her again on Monday." And no, you won't. No, you won't. Yeah. We're not going to chase her. If she wants to work here, we will hear from her and that's great. And if it's, we're not the right fit, that's fine. Maybe she found something else, maybe whatever, but, um, I used to have a desperation when I was hiring and a fear that if I didn't hire soon, something would go wrong. And now I just trust the process.
0: So uh, I I love that the whole trust the process thing is also like working from that place of fear. Like as you know, like and we've talked about these things too, is you your vibe, you know, your your vibe attracts your tribe. So it's yeah. like you're going to attract those people who basically match the energy you're putting out. And so if you're like hiring from that place of like fear and like, we got to get this done and and there's nothing wrong with having, you know, the motivation or having the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like when you want to like get something done and you know, you move the drive, forward. the drive and the like, focus, kind of, yeah, yeah. like there's nothing wrong with having that, but you got to have like the right energy surrounding it. Right. And it's, I think it's the fear of like, oh my gosh, we don't want to lose patients, Oh my gosh. There's all these people sitting on the wait list. Oh my gosh. The kids yeah. are not getting the help they need. And I think there's a, it's hard to balance that when you're just starting out and you haven't really done a lot of hiring, or you, maybe you have your first person leaving your company and you have to replace them. You're kind of in this like, oh crap mode, like, yeah, like something like, ah, and you know, and it doesn't feel great because like you said, we have all these different moving pieces. And one of the biggest things is making sure that we continue to deliver, to deliver a high level of therapy to our patients. And we're not talking about just like patients we see, like you know randomly here or there and you know it's okay if it's a new person the next time no like we see our patients sometimes once twice a week you know we Mm -hmm. are building rapport with them or building relationships it takes time to build rapport especially with Mm -hmm. certain children and then you know it's like okay great and so like these parents are kind of like oh okay another new therapist well now we have to take weeks to to get comfortable with that therapist and that's money spent and time spent. And we, you know, what if they lose skills and, 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 you know, and these parents fears are real and it's like, yeah, it's like, we kind of want to massage that as much as we can and try to avoid, you know, when I do this, I try to be really strategic about how we go about it for the families so that they feel very supported and that their, their concerns are heard. They're very valid, but that we try to minimize that as much as possible.
1: And listen, this is a really big juggling act and it's a really big problem. So I want to make it clear. I do trust the process. I don't hire fast, but that doesn't mean I'm just sitting back thinking this OT is going to pop into my lap when the time's right. I mean, I had a meeting just yesterday with my management team about where else are we advertising? What schools are we calling? How many places are we posting? We're very actively behind the scenes thinking, how can we get the word out there? But the thing with the families, it's really, really hard. Right now, we have families waiting to be treated, and I don't expect them to wait forever. They have children that need to be receiving services. And it also impacts where, you know, we have great relationships with the doctors in the community. If they can't refer to Fox because I don't have someone to treat, that means they're going to start referring elsewhere, and I'm risking that relationship. It's very much a domino effect. But my other choice is to hire someone that I don't feel in my gut is right for the team. And then the family is like, we're having a new therapist again when that person leaves. Yeah, And then I have upset families because of turnover. Right. So I don't want to say you're damned if you do, if you're damned, if you don't, but it is a little bit like that. So you just have to pick globally. What is the better decision for your team? And as much as I love these families and I want them taken care of, I really want to protect my team. And I don't want them to feel like They're trying to sustain a certain culture in the company and it's being disrupted as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's like, you said, there's just so many like moving pieces on all ends of this conversation. And, you know, I think when you're, when you put your heart into it, right. And you really put the families first and you put your team first and you have this, you know, this culture that you have created and you've worked really hard to create it and you want to maintain and protect that. I do also think that comes through. I do think that your team sees that and they appreciate business owners who who act that way, right? And they also, you know, families see that. And yet at, at the end of the day, some of these children are going to be out of therapy soon. And some of these children are going to be in therapy for a very long time, depending mm-hmm. on their needs and what they're in therapy for. And I think it becomes part of life. And as it happens more, I hate to see that say this, but it becomes a little bit easier for mm-hmm. both the business owner and the families and the therapists. And, you know, so then it really just comes down to making sure you go about it the right way. And I do believe there is a right way and a wrong way. And I think hiring fast, just to hire and plop a therapist in is not ever the right way. Um, There's a practice that I won't name in one of the areas where my business operates. And, you know they'll hire therapists and who I've also interviewed who are very open with me. who will say, Oh yeah, well, I'm also hiring with this other company. And I'll be like, okay, like, no worries. Like you let me know. Cause like you said, I'm not going to chase you. You yeah. need to figure out what's right for you. What makes the most sense for you. The last thing I want to is even if a therapist feels like the right fit for me, but they are like, Oh, you know what? I need a 401k and I need an, a guaranteed salary. And I, and I'm like, well, I hire contractors. That's not a good fit, right? It's it just right. the end of the day. Now, I've had some of them come back around and kind of go like, "Hey, is there a position for me?" You know, but some of these companies will just hire to fill a spot, and they will sell everything under the sun to that therapist to be like, "I'm going to mentor you in this, and I'm you're going to have a caseload with kids that have that, and you know, da da da." And then they get in there and they get the complete opposite experience, and that's not good for anybody. And so, for me, having seen that firsthand. And kind of going like, wow, like just because this company takes insurance, like that doesn't mean that you can treat families this way. And it's not my job to fix that, that, that business is not my business. It's not my problem. It hurts my heart that that kind of stuff happens, but I think Mm -hmm. that everyone needs to know it happens. And so when you have a business owner, like yourself, like myself, like others that I know who really work from a place of, we need to hire so that this is a therapist that I would have treat my child. With that mm-hmm. issue, right? Like, I if I can't treat the therapist on my team to treat my child, I'm not hiring them. They're yeah. not going to going to for my kid. Then I'm not going to you know put them with your kid yeah. either. So you know, I think it just really speaks volumes when you can also be with open with families. And and I've had some families where this transition has been really tough for the child mm-hmm. or even the parents sometimes, more the parents than the kids sometimes. Well, the parents
1: get so fearful, fearful for the kiddo. Yeah, the kiddo turns out they're fine. Yeah, but it is. It's really hard on the parent.
0: Well, like the medically cut, co- like we have some kiddos who are more medically complex and the history is lengthy and deep. And it's like every time there's a new therapist, it's kind of like, oh, goodness, here we go. I have to try and explain my child to this therapist again. Yeah. And I think part of that, again, also comes from just experiences with other therapists who haven't understood that child, not necessarily like in my practice, but. In other, you know, whether it's in the school system or another practice or different, you know, type of professional that they're working with. And so it's like parents will latch on to somebody who gets their kid and who listens to them and who trust them and who they can trust, because there is this kind of like, that like reciprocal relationship when working with a lot of our little ones. And that's just part of the job, right? And that's part of don't get into this profession if you're not interested in that, because like, that's necessary to make progress. Yeah. So you know, and, and with healthy boundaries, of course, but you know, it's, you know, we really do kind of put a lot into these relationships. And, and that's why I love how you know you're talking about hiring, you're like, the person who fills this role on my team, like, they also need to be this for the family. It's not just like, yeah, Shut up at 12 o'clock, deliver your therapy for X number of minutes, leave at this time and move on to the next one. Like, cause that may be how it appears from the outside, but yeah. there's so much more that gets poured into it. When It's you a
1: it hard job, you guys. It is, it's first of all, just doing the therapy itself, right? You need to have this toolbox of things to pull from and this knowledge of being able to pivot on the moment but you're holding emotional space for these children and for these families. You're part of a team. You're on their journey, helping their child. So there's the emotional component and you're performing because if we're not on the child's not engaged. So it is draining. And that's not, that's not lost at me or me at all. Um, These therapists, they, they do, they do a lot. And I went back into therapy. I treat a little bit three days a week because I, miss that interaction. I really do get something out of just the one-on-one with the families, but that's hard too, because then I'm, you know, treating, and then I step out my 30 minutes and I'm a business owner. And then I go back into treatment and, you know, wearing different hats is it's a lot, it's hard, but it is part of what our profession is.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, like we all need to do what, what feels good for us right? And I think that's hard even as a business owner because you're like, you want to give that same advice to your own employees, but you're like, please never leave me.
1: I know. (laughs) Do what feels good at Fox. Yeah. (laughs) You should do everything your heart tells you to do as long as it doesn't take you away from Fox. As long as it's here. Um,
0: But let's go back to like the whole hiring slow process because I think a lot of people are going to get tripped up on that, especially if they've like never heard of that before. And I have like the most beautiful example of this. So I had a therapist who's on my team, Nadine, who um, tagged me yesterday in a post because she's been now one year in my practice, one year in Maryland. She moved across the country, left her full-time job, like, and totally changed, like, everything she was doing. I mean, she was doing pediatric feeding, working with medically complex kiddos and everything, and and is now, you know, one of my top feeding, like, full-time feeding and myotherapists, and it was sort of this, like, testament to, like, you know, thanking me for waiting, because I think when I spoke to her, it may have been like April of 2022. And she was like, Okay, well, like, I, like, we had a couple conversations. And I knew early on, I was like, she's somebody that I want on my team, because Mm -hmm. like, just that energy and her passion for what she did, just, you know, value wise, like everything was so aligned. And, you know, she said to me, she was like, well, I, you know, I'd be moving across the country. Like, let me see if I can pull this off. And like, when, and it, she came back and it was like, okay, like I can do this in three months. And I was like, okay, all right. Three months it is because you know, it's, it's worth waiting for the right person. And that I think too, it when, is. yeah, kind of like that whole hiring slow, like you might find them now, but they may not be available for five months or they may not be available for three months. It feels like a long time while you're waiting. Mm-hmm. The time goes fast in the beginning and it's so worth it in the
1: end. I think that's a really good point. I think that we all need to be aware that when you're hiring somebody and you say how long till you start, your, the response you want from them is, my contract that I sign honors a 30-day. If they're like, but I can leave in two weeks, you don't want them. You want them to honor the company they are leaving. You want to see who they are as a person. And the other thing, it's worth it. Listen, we asked for a 30-day at Fox But when I'm the one receiving someone who wants to give a 30 day or two month, like it's a long time to wait and it's, it's hard, but it's, that's who you want. You want someone that's going to honor your request coming on to your team as well. The other thing I want to say about hiring and is don't try to be something you're not Mm -hmm. when you're explaining who your company is. I... I'm a company that I'm family owned. This business is my third child. This is the business I had instead of my third child. It really means a lot to me. And I used to try to keep up with the Joneses as far as the companies around me. And I I just have given that up. I know what I can offer my employees. And if that's what they want, I'm here. But I'm probably... I try to be really competitive, but I'm probably more middle of the road for salary. I do offer salary because as a therapist, I want them to not, you know, right now it's summer and we're slow and it, it sucks, but they're still getting paid, um, because they're employees and it's very, very family friendly and family feel in the clinic. And if they come to me with a passion, I will do whatever I can to support them training in that and whatever it is they want to be trained in, and then trying to find those clients for them. And I will support them as much as I can, but I do make it clear, like at the end of the day, it's also a business. Um, But they need to be seeking out what I'm offering. And if they're seeking out what one of these big companies that have multiple locations across the state are offering, that's just not me, but I'm not going to try to compete with that anymore either. I'm going to seek the people that are looking for what I do offer. Yeah, as a small and company,
0: and I think that's a really great point because I think a lot of speech pathologists are more small business owners than these large companies. I actually think there's a heck of a lot more of us that have small, like more family focused oriented. Not where I am, Hallie. No, I think
1: I'm one of. There's a few, but I have just surrounding me some of these bigger companies. Yeah. I have a Cortica and an Easter Seals and then SLEA, and I just well, like
0: Easter Seals. Yeah, I mean, so some of those they're are they're all like right.
1: There's someone looking where I am is also is just a two miles away and Easter Seals is five miles away and SLEA is just you know ten miles away so I'm up against these big companies and it's a challenge but I'm just I'm just not them I don't bring in what they bring in and I don't have the contracts they have so I can't offer what they have but I can offer you know a tight knit family feel and. I honestly care about the people that work for me, like each one of them individually. I do care. I know you you Um, talked about it, so I I can vouch for that. (laughs) I do care. So I think you just have to be proud of what you do offer and own it and don't have the desperation to bring on people that aren't looking for you just because they're looking for a job right now and you're looking to fill because if you're not aligned, they're going to keep looking and you're going to have turnover.
0: Yeah, it's gonna bite you in the butt at some point. Yeah, one hundred. It really is. Yeah, and you know, and I, I, I guess like we would have to like dive deeper into like how many of those types of businesses exist versus like individuals and smaller practices in the U.S. But I do feel like there's been this like huge push of so many SLPS to just go out on their own and see their own caseloads, and that's mm-hmm. kind of more of what I'm referencing too. Because like in the DMV, if I had known, I, I've said this like a bazillion times on my podcast, if I had known how many private practices there were in a five mile radius around me. I don't know that I ever would have started one because, you know, but I just was like, I knew what I stood for. I knew what I wanted to do differently that I didn't feel like I was seeing out in the market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's where I was like blinders on head down. I'm just going to go out and do what I do best. And for me, that was very therapy driven. And because of the service I was delivering, delivering to my patients, that's where word of mouth has built my business over the years. And then now with my online business, it's like therapists now seek me out. Cause they want, you Ooh, know, yeah. you know, they want to work with the team and learn from us and everything, which, you know, it's, it's both a beautiful thing and a really tricky thing at the same time. Right. Because I get a lot of emails all the time. And like, there's no way that I could ever, you know, take on everybody who emails us. Um, but we're also not a brick and mortar. Like we travel to our patients and I will tell you, I will say like Maryland was probably one of the last States to kind of come out of this pandemic. And just a lot of people didn't want extra humans in their homes or in the classroom or in a, you know, school setting. And that's really where we provide our therapy. It was hard enough for us to get back into those places as a training right. therapist. So that's also been an additional challenge. And, you know, one of my therapists like was basically a team lead and was doing a ton of mentoring and like wants to do more of that. Um, and so we're kind of trying to see like, can we implement something like that with some of these programs that will offer a stipend so that like, cause my therapists need to get paid if they're going to mentor and that's a yeah. whole other conversation, um, Um, but anywho, you know, it's, I've also had a lot of therapists come to me so they can take my courses, see a couple of patients and then kind of like peace out and open up their own private practice. And I've had people yeah, say to me, they're like, well, doesn't that bother you? And I'm, I'm like, you know what? It's not that I expect it, but at the end of the day, people are going to do what they want to do anyways. And this is also why I've changed my hiring practices and why I, you know, now I ask different questions than I used to ask because I have been. I've been burned a couple of times by some like illegal activity, whether we won't go into like done by a therapist. Like that's happened. That was like very much earlier on. Yeah. Um, and I've even been burned late, like recently by, you know, a therapist that I thought was like one of our like best team members, but apparently not. So like, shit's going to happen. And sometimes th- things are going to happen. You're going to be like, I didn't see that coming from like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, like,
1: and I mean, maybe that, I, I mean, you know my stories, I've been burned too. I used to hire a new grad. I would be her CF mentor, but then I'd also get them a Mayo um, training and then mentor them in Mayo as well. And one time someone quit right after their CF and said, I didn't care what you paid me. I wanted you to be the one that trained me. And now I've been trained by you and I'm going to go start my own practice after nine months. And I mean, that was, that really burned in the moment, but it really changed my approach. Now it's, I'm not just here to build you up, but I need the same type of loyalty and respect as well. So we have, every time something goes wrong, make a policy, right? Make a policy about how you're going to handle it differently. So now if anybody wants to become a myofunctional therapist, I will get you trained and I will support you after you've been with the company for a year. Yeah. Yeah. There's just certain things you have to implement, but as you get burned, I think it makes it easier to do this higher, slow, fire fast, because you know what it feels like to work from fear and how many times you end up getting, you know, what it
0: feels like to be used. There's no way around that, that, you know, that person straight up used you. And that feels like shit you know, and it does feel like shit. And at the end of the day, like, I'm also the most giving like person. I know you're a very giving person too. So to be like walked all over like that, when, when, because someone knows you're a giving person, it's just not kind. It's not good juju. It's not
1: good karma. It's going
0: to, I always go, like, I write it off to universe and I go like, the universe is going to take care of that. And that's usually it say. does.
1: Usually oh, it does. And like, <laughs> that's not my problem. Karma yeah. will do her thing. I'm yeah. going to just sit back and Stay in my lane, and people will come to me and they'll say like, "Did you see this?" And you see this. I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to know. It doesn't impact me at all. Let's just keep moving forward. But yeah, I mean, it does happen. It happens in business. I don't think it just happens in our field. It happens in business. So it's gonna hurt. It the scar will stay, but you just have to make different choices going forward to not put yourself in the same situation.
0: And I will tell you, there are people who have been in the industry for you know longer periods of time than us that have really hardened because of the same mm-hmm. kinds of experiences. And and I think that this is twofold, right? It's like, well, we want to mentor and we want to open the gates. And we don't nobody wants to be a gatekeeper. I mean, maybe some people yeah. do. I don't, you know, I know you don't, but at the same time, you know, there has to be that trust. And there has to be that like two-way energetic exchange of like, okay, yes, you're working for me and seeing patients and it's making my business money. But then for you to go take everything from my practice, that's against the contract you signed and go do your own thing after i have given you like literally everything,
1: mm-hmm. you know, that's,
0: that's never okay. And no it's happening a lot. It is. And
1: listen, in California, we just, business owners don't have a lot of rights and we don't have a lot of protection. So there's not much we can do. And then you even see these people, you know, we work hard to get reviews for our company and they'll copy and paste the reviews they got in your company and push it, put it on their new websites. Yeah, which is illegal. It,
0: that's not okay. That's never okay. It actually, that's like IP. It basically belongs to the business.
1: Oh, I mean, Holly, I've seen them take phone numbers out of our EMR system. Like there's so much illegal activity going on, but I mean, you I have somebody to somebody actually
0: sh- ask like my EMR to transfer files to their new EMR in the same company. And I was like- you did what? I'm like, you know, there's HIPAA law, right? Like, like you yeah. can't
1: do, and I mean, oh, the EMR there's was so like, much going like, wrong. They were like,
0: what? Like the EMR was kind of like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I wasn't, I didn't even have to be concerned aside from the fact that it was like, someone actually thinks they could do this. Like, and this is not a, this wasn't a young therapist either. This was like a yeah. middle-aged woman.
1: And I was like, what is happening right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, it's really, it's a really different time and it's really, yeah. You can get burned so easily and sometimes just implementing our policies on part-time makes somebody quit in the moment because they don't want to adhere to the PTO policy, but they also want to be a salaried employee. And it's just, it's a really fine line to walk. And if you try to say, I used to say yes way too often and then have to backtrack, that's not good for anybody. It's not good for the employee. It's not good for the company. So you really just have to say, this is what I'm trying to create. And I will stay the course and believe in myself and trust the right people are going to come. It might not be when you want them to come, but every single time someone who wasn't right for the company has left, they have been replaced by somebody where I can look back and go, I get it.
0: Yeah. The universe had bigger plans for you. Yeah. There was a reason for that. Well, and I think you, you, you hit, you hit it on, you know, the head trust. Like that keyword trust, like if you don't trust yourself, if you don't have self-trust, you know, meaning like you don't trust your own beliefs, like your own ability to grow. Like if you don't even trust yourself, like if you're not integral with yourself, you don't have self-integrity, where are you? Who are you? Right? Like you, that has to be in place. You have to be able to rely on yourself and not seek these like outside influences and sources and decisions from other people on like what to do. And I think once you get to that point of being able to truly trust yourself and trust your intuition, like, and, you know, we can go into like intuitive awareness and that's like a whole nother level and whole nother conversation. But it's like, once yeah. you get like, you keep working on yourself as a human, like yeah. being a business owner, just a human, and you start to turn inward. I think that's also where you start to build a more sustainable, like, practice that speaks to what we're talking about, where you can hire slow and you do know what you're looking for, because I think this will strike up. Like people have questions go, well, well, how do I know if it's like the right person? How do I know Mm -hmm. if I should wait three months? How do I know this? How do I know that? it's not really something that I can tell someone like, oh, check these check boxes, right? No, it's, you need to know what your top values are. You need to know what your company represents. You need to know what specialty you want them to have or be working towards if they don't have it yet. Like their interest needs to match that, you know, and not because they just want to work for you, but like, because they truly deeply are like, I'm seeking a position, whether it's with you or someone else where I can grow into this role, this person, this being, right? You said like, it's who are they being, Um, Mm Because otherwise I feel like, you know, it's not there.
1: So let's just lay it all on the table, Holly. I know you haven't shared because it's, you're protecting me, but I came to you, I don't know now, six months to a year ago. And I said, Holly, I want you to business coach me. And it has nothing to do with our field. So Holly is currently my business coach right now. But what I wanted to do is everything that you're just talking about. So I I hired from fear. I made decisions from fear. My company was suffering. The team wasn't who I wanted it to be. And I was desperate. I had urgency. I had so much fear. And I, at some point, was literally on my knees as a business owner going, what the hell am I doing? This is not how I want to live my life, not as a business owner, but not as a human, not as a mom. This isn't what I wanted to do. So I slowly started just Investigating ways to do my own inner work. And that's been my journey for a good handful of years now. So I called you when I said, Holy shit, my inner work is what has allowed my company to succeed and change. It wasn't because I just made different decisions, it's because those decisions were being made based off the inner work that I was able to do as a person. So that took me into my next passion of. I want to work with women in leadership positions, whether it's in our field or outside of our field, and whether it's business ownership or growth in the company or being a leader at your home, I don't care. Leadership, you can't do what you're intending to do if your inner self is hurting and suffering. So it really, for me, is doing that inner work and guiding people through that, that has allowed me to create the business to where it is now that I'm so proud of, but it it was releasing a lot of limiting beliefs and fears and triggers. I would get so triggered by people's reaction and I would be immediately defensive. And I said, well, who's that serving? That's serving nobody. So it was really doing the inner work that allowed me to come to this place of it's okay to hire slow. It's okay to fire someone if you know it's damaging the company and it's okay to let the process unravel. And, and trust that it's going to work out for the highest good of everybody, but that takes work and practice and commitment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not something that I don't, I mean, I've spent a little bit of time here and there talking about it, but when I got into this space, right. So I launched my, my private practice June, 2014. And at a certain point I kind of went, you know, I want to have an online business and I hired a coach and I try to follow their advice and they kind of, you know, it was on me because I listened to them, but I basically was kind of steered away from what I intuitively thought I should do yeah. towards what they said would be a good, better business decision. Yeah. And it failed. And yeah. most people don't know this about me. I'm like, I actually launched a course trying to help families navigate the IEP process. And I was damn proud of that course because I had come out of the schools. I sat on the other side of that table and now I was actually being that like that SLP was like advocating basically for free. I mean, they would pay me to attend the meetings, but like, I was like semi being an advocate, which people pay a lot of money to hire, Mm -hmm. you know, for these families to help them navigate, like what they could ask for their child and, you know, basically craft an IEP that would actually serve their kid in the public schools. And here I am literally giving this course away for like a hundred bucks or whatever it was at the time. And, and I think I had like two sales. (laughs) I was like running Facebook ads and doing all the things, but I was doing it all on my own. And you know, I loved what I was doing, but it was not what I set out to do. That wasn't the course that I felt called to actually create at the time. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I let that go. I really kind of honed in on my business. And at a certain point, I met a colleague who had gone through Jim Fortin's program. I fell into his TCP program and I was like, oh yeah, I'm getting into this for business. It's going to be so good. I started taking this course and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I got I got work on myself. And like here I am, yeah. like I had been like a network marketer. I had read like all those self-help books, all the things. So I thought I was so good and golden and like in the best place. Yeah, no, I was far from that because yeah. a lot of what I had learned and dove into, they're great reads and they're awesome, you know, an awesome part of my journey, but like I hadn't done the deep inner
1: work. Yeah. So what yeah. are you going to do with the knowledge? Someone said to me, Jesse, what, um, what course did you take or what, you know, do you have a book recommendation for me to be, you know, a good boss, like how you're leading your company? And I said, you can take a course and you can read a book, but if you don't do the inner work, you're going to implement whatever you learn from an authentic place. And it's not, it's not about any of that. It's really, really, truly starts with you and what's happening inside of you. And it will help your business and it'll help other aspects of your yeah. Your life as well, or when you're thrown with other curveballs, at least you'll be able to hopefully tape them with a little bit more peace and trust. And but it really does start with what's happening inside you. And if if this isn't working, no matter what you're learning, it doesn't really matter. Right. Don't implement it from a right. place that's not authentic.
0: Right. Well, because it's like who are you actually being, like face forward yeah. to the world versus who are you being inside? Right. They, those need to match. And, you know, and some of us have to work through a lot of crap that, mm-hmm. you know, may have happened in your childhood, maybe it happened in adulthood, maybe probably it did happen work. in
1: your childhood. <laughs> yeah. A lot
0: of it's childhood based. There's a lot of childhood inner work that needs to be done for a lot of people. Even if you grew up in like a happy household, yeah. even if you grew up with with everything you, your heart could possibly desire. That doesn't mean that there isn't inner work and things because we're so programmed by those that are in our environment, whether it's, you know, parents, teachers, whoever we spend time around as a child, that we start to realize that a lot of who we are as an adult goes back to those individuals we were around. And yeah. it's like,
1: some of these are not even my beliefs. Like I don't know. Totally. but And, and I'm trauma. Not, yeah. Trauma subjective. So Someone might have a much bigger on paper trauma than yours. That doesn't mean yours doesn't hold value and doesn't impact your life. It's completely subjective. It's how it impacted you. And it's what you have to do to work through that. That's going to allow you to show up to the rest of the world in whatever, you know, environment we're talking about with, in a way that's going to allow you to really be successful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I love these like very authentic conversations because I think that people don't really have a good grasp on the fact that people probably see me half the time and go, oh, she just took some money from her one business, threw it towards a new business and boom, now she's really successful. Like, yeah, okay. It can look like that from the outside, but in order to even know who I was and who I needed to be in order to make the right decisions, in order to invite the right people into my life, in order to hire the right ads team and and even know what to say. Like, I remember my first meeting with the first copy team that I hired to like, write, they were writing like sales ads and they were writing, um, what were they writing? Like my emails and social media posts and stuff. And it was a big investment. And I'm like, I'm paying you guys all this money. What do you mean you want me to tell you what to say? I don't know. That's why I hired you. And they're like, well, what do you do? And who are you? And I was like, (sighs) oh crap. Like I was like, I got to dive deep. All right. And I mean, and they even said to me, like after like a year of working with them, they were like, do you remember our first like call with you and conversation? And I was like, yeah, because I'm a neurodivergent individual and you can't just spawn like these questions at me and expect me to have an answer. Like, that's why I hired you. Cause like, it's not my strong suit. Right. <laughs> you right. I mean, so it's just been such like a learning journey to the point where like, I can sit down and write my own copy now. Like it's not easy for me. I can, I can say what I want to say, but like for things to convert in business, sometimes it has to, you know, look a certain way or, or you need to kind of finesse it a little bit, or it doesn't translate from my mouth to paper in the way that it may translate. If you're hearing me on a podcast, like it doesn't, you know, when it's written on a page. and so. There are certain aspects of being a business owner that you, you have, you keep learning and you keep growing. And I'm still on a journey as a leader on, you know, like one of my biggest things right now is continuing to evolve as who I am as a leader. Who am I being? How am I showing up for my team? Like, what does my team need from me? And what do I need from them? And just like better, you know, more communication. But again, sometimes shit really has to hit the fan like in big freaking ways for <laughs> you to invite the you right know person into your life. Right
1: now. <laughs> you,
0: you know, I you just know. went through this. I know that you're in
1: this. It's like we I'm both have had these like journeys this year that it's like, uh-huh. oh my gosh. So <laughs> let me ask you this, because this has been a huge shift for me. When someone says to you, what do you do? How do you answer them now?
0: Um. So if someone, ta- so I've really tried to get it like under 30 seconds, because I'm a long winded human. And I start to realize I'm like losing people. So now people are like, Oh, what do you do? I'll say like, Oh, I'm an SLP by trade, but I own a continuing ed company. And I also have a private practice, like, you know, up north, mostly in the DMV. And like, that's my whole pitch. And then they kind of go, oh, well, like, what, what, like, what do you mean continuing ed? Or like, what do you, what is your practice do? And so then I'll be like, oh, my practice, you know, serves um, mostly pediatrics, but adults for this like myofunctional therapy, but like we specialize in pediatric feeding therapy and, you know, all the other SLP OT type of therapies too. And they'll be like, oh, that's really cool. Like, tell me more about blah, 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 you know? And then I like kind of let them like direct the conversation or like on the CEU side, like usually the conversation is like, oh, well, like, what does that mean? Like you like have like a, a course or, cause like, I feel like people are like now, like they understand what continuing ed is and they're seeing this bigger trend, I think in the online space with courses and stuff. So people are like, Oh, uh-huh. do you have like a course or like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I have like a, a, a course, you know, and, um, a membership. And then I launched another course and I've had like a mastermind and I do business mentoring and stuff. And I try to just kind of leave it more general. Cause I find like that
1: it's hard, right? Get,
0: yeah, it is. Yeah. Hard. I
1: used to be able to just be like, oh, I'm a speech language pathologist, <laughs> but now I feel like I identify more as a business owner, yep. but for anyone out there that's starting their own business or running a business, I want to make it really clear. Like this is not a linear move becoming a speech therapist, us therapists, we're here to help and to make people happy. And as a business owner, that can't always be what you're doing. So going from SLP or OT or whoever, myofunctional therapist to business owner, this is not an easy continuum to, to go on. It is it can, it can be a shit show. It's really, you're learning this whole new trade, but you're not going to get to go to school for it. No one's going to teach you what to do. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. That's why to me, coaching is a no brainer. I've made that decision several years back that my, my money will be spent on my kids and my coaching, because that's what I need more than anything. Why would I do any of this alone if I don't have to, because it's such a journey. And that's this whole other profession that you're taking on. That's really very complicated. And it's, you know, you're never going to know everything you need to know. And to go from therapist to running a business is night and day.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think at the end of the day, if you hire the right person that you're aligned with, I also yeah. think that person should help, should help you move the needle forward faster in the sense that yeah. like, that's why you're hiring them. And so you should be like getting your money back, right. Or you should at least be mm-hmm. feeling like, okay, this was a good investment. And I feel like I've made more money in my business than I would have made on my own. And obviously we have no way of like actually knowing like if you would or wouldn't necessarily. Um, Sometimes there could be certain key factors you can put in place, but that's more of like a feeling than yeah. a nuanced thing. Like, you know, that's super measurable. Um, but a lot of, again, is intuition and how do you feel? And, well, know- and you
1: for that, how you said you have to, it has to be the right coach guys, because I too have had coaches that my intuition wasn't really honored. And my emotions were told to kind of stay at bay and to just do what I say. And I did that and it did not work out.
0: So in my opinion, The best coach is not somebody that tells you what to do, Mm -hmm. but is somebody who shows you the way and, and not holds your hand, but like, is alongside you, in a sense, as you go through that journey and Mm there, that's the person that you can back on to be like, Hey, I'm having a shit day. Like, how would you deal with this? You know? And they may give you some ideas, but you know, well, I will share stories of like experiences I've had. So I think that helps connect and give people like their own ideas start to generate. Like people are like, Oh, he's mm-hmm. talking about herself. And it's like, no, I'm not doing that because I want to be like, Oh, I can resonate with this. No, I'm saying that because I know it's going to kick up a different part of your brain. And mm-hmm. you're going to start to go like, Oh, you know what? Okay. Maybe if we tried this, like you're going to start to think about what might work for you. And, yeah. or you might be like, you know what? That's a great idea. I didn't think of that. And you may run with it and that's okay too, but there should, a coach should never, ever, I've learned Just this the tell hard way you to tell do. you like what to do, you know, look, of course there's, there's coaches out there. There's courses that are going to say, oh yeah, the standard operating procedure for like starting a podcast or for starting a business looks like this. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like you know, not like the how tos, but like when it really comes down to the pieces, where intuition plays such a big part. Like, yeah. what is it you want to do? What do What do you, what do you want mm-hmm. your name to be? How do you want to be forward facing to the world? Who are you being? Like, mm-hmm. who do you have to step into to fulfill this role and even attract your your tribe? Right? right. You know, you guide, but you don't like.
1: Yeah, and you honor who the you need to learn who the person that you're coaching is, and then honor that person and help them achieve what it is that they want to achieve and then use your background and your knowledge to help them reach that. How you made a comment earlier, Hallie, about it might look like you pulled money from this business and you threw it into this business. Social media really makes it really hard for people because you see things on social media or you see things on a website and it looks pretty and shiny and kind of like you just knew what to do and you threw it together. But that's not the case. And until you and I started working together more closely, like I didn't know any of the backstory or the trials that you went through and the successes and the things that didn't succeed, but there's so much more than to what a person's presenting the pre- the presentations, the end result that they work their ass off to achieve. Right. And then that still pivots.
0: Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And yeah. And it's as, you know, they say more money, more problems, right. It's, I don't really love that saying, but what I do think it speaks to is like, The more you make, the bigger your business grows, the more people it takes to run that business, the more humans that are involved, the more energy, right? It can work beautifully, but you're going to learn a lot of things along the way. And I don't know any business owner anywhere who will tell you that they have never had a hiccup ever in their business so it's like when you go into business ownership like it's it's not because you know yes there's the beauty of the the pros of like working for yourself and making your own hours and having the flexibility like my kids sick i'm gonna go pick them up or i get to go to their school play or whatever right Mm -hmm. you know i I hear so many people say like i'm gonna do this because quality of life guess what people if you want to be a business owner It better not be for quality of life because you're going to work more and harder probably than you ever have before if you want to succeed, especially in the beginning. And then once, you know, at least in this realm, once you're there and you have the the funds, the finances to then hire more people to help you and you can start to step away more, there's going to be other trials and things that happen. Yeah. Because also that changes the dynamic. And I've had people come to me and go, Hey, I'm burnt out, but I love my business and I can't walk away from it. Cause it's my income. And I support these individuals who have, you know, this is their income, but like, I don't know, yesterday, I kind of don't want to just call it quits and help, yeah. they like help me. Right. And I can't tell you how many SLP private practice owners have come to me with this conversation where yeah. it then becomes about, you know, it's okay to not treat anymore. Or it's okay to not show face in your practice every day. It's okay to work from home three days a week if that's what you desire and that's what your schedule.
1: That's a whole like- conversation in itself, though, because yes. I have done that where I'm not in there every day, but that doesn't mean I don't feel guilt. Right.
0: Right. That's the or that thing. I
1: sh- it yes. there's and then you transition from being really involved, and you know, we were just away from my daughter's dance competition, and someone sent to me so. So you just don't have to be in your business every day. And they said, no, I, you know, we're really fortunate. We grew to a size where I have a clinical director and she's incredible and she handles it down and that's great. But that doesn't mean I'm not checking my phone. We have a chat system within our community. I'm always looking at that. You're always stepping in. And at the end of the day, if there's a fire that needs to be put out, it's you.
0: Right. Right. right?
1: Yeah. So you're never off the clock.
0: Yeah.
1: You're yeah. never not working. And The emotional weight of it all is just bigger because you're the end of the line.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and and I think also like that's where like the hiring stuff is like going back to the beginning of our conversation, like the bane of our existence at times. Because whether you're growing and you need to hire for that, or someone's like transitioning out of your practice, or whatever the case may be, it's just like, oh, if you guys can hear that thunder, Um, oh wow, it's really loud. Um, It's one of those things. squirrel. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, I think hiring is something that is always, always present in a business. Once you decide Mm -hmm. it's more than just you. And so, and once you want to grow, you want to grow beyond six figures. You're likely looking at hiring, even if it's a virtual assistant in an online business, you know, you're there's no reason for you to do it at your, by yourself at that point. Like, otherwise you're literally working around the clock in most. Businesses. Yeah. It's just not worth <laughs> it. Your time yeah. is
1: money and it is valuable and you have yeah. to decide what's worth it for you to take on and what you can outsource. And even with, you know, my clinical director, she worked for me just a few hours a week for a couple of years. And then one day intuitively, I remember exactly where I was. I was driving. I was in the passenger seat and, um, I said, I need a clinical director and I want it to be Brie. And I called her and I like pitched her and it took me a while. And coincidentally, she was at a point with her company where she was looking to transition on, but knew she wanted more of a management role. So it just, I knew, and it it took, we did some back and forth, but I just followed my gut and I called her. And I would I would say to her when she worked very part-time for me, I said, one day, I'm gonna get you full-time. One day, I'm gonna be able to afford you. One day, one day, Brie. And then, you know, I followed my intuition and I called her and she came on first as the lead of the speech team. And then we moved her into clinical director and that's, I didn't post for that job. Mm-hmm. I followed my gut in hiring mm-hmm. for that position because that's a huge position in the company. Yeah. Um, hi, my
0: COO who just joined our team, Taylor recently, you know, back in yeah. it, like March, April, March, I think. Um, yeah. I didn't post for that job. I basically, I posted for about something else, I think. And then I don't even know, she and I were just randomly talking and I had just like gone through this exercise with my business mentor about like, okay, well, who do I need? What does that look like? What do I need to pay this kind of a person? Like, you know, I've never hired a COO before. Like, obviously I know I need somebody full-time in my business, basically in the back end operations at this point, like that's probably overdue. I should have done it like a year ago. So, you know, fire fast people hire slow. I guess I hired real slow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day, it was like, she just fell into it felt like she fell into my lap. Yeah, because I knew exactly what I needed. I put that out. You didn't rush it. Yeah, I manifested it. And then through just like a natural conversation. And I even said to him, I was like, this seems too easy. Like, am I just like, am I moving too fast? He's like, well, you've needed a position like this for a year. So it's not that you're moving too fast. He's like, but the conversation just started. So, you know, he kind of guided me through like what, you know, to have her take some, like do the Enneagram and do this and do that. And just kind of see like, who is she? Cause like, I knew her in a certain degree, but not to the degree that I would need her like on the running my business. Right. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I took, I took all the profiles back to him. I was like, here you go. And he was like, that is like the most perfect match for this type of a position. And I was like,
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. But like you, it was easy at the end, but it was also a year of you sitting on this and Yeah. It was sort of
0: like, I kind of knew in my gut that like I needed somebody full time, but I loved the person who was working for me. And it was like, it wasn't until I realized that like a lot of things were kind of really messy behind the scenes that I didn't know about at the time, you know, a year and a half ago that I kind of came to know about like last August into like beginning of this year. And I kind of went like, oh crap, like this really sucks. I got to put on my big girl pants and like, Maybe do some shifting, do some hiring, do some firing. I don't know. And just, you know, not
1: easy. It wasn't easy. Nothing about it's easy. Yeah. It's never easy, but it feels better if you are in a more trusting, calm inner state. Yes. Yes. Otherwise it feels like. 100%. Whiplash. I mean, it's really hard. Yeah. Well,
0: and I'm glad that I didn't hire prior to when I did, because I don't think I was there yet. Like intuitively, Mm -hmm. I was not there yet. I was like, I know I need this there. I'm being told I need this, but I think we got it. And then I was like, okay, we really don't got it. Crap. Yeah. (laughs) And that, it was like this whole, like, you know, set of emotions and working through it, where I kind of like came to terms with the fact that like, I needed somebody full time. They need to have a certain skill set. I kind of wanted this person to also understand our space, which I'm like, that's what like, and she's an FLP. like she's an SLP who was like, I don't oh, want Oh, she is? She is. Yeah. She was like, I like want to move out of like treating right now and want to work more, you know, towards like, she's like, I still want to advance my, like, like her understanding of like Mayo and feeding and all that stuff. She's like, but I really want to working with adults. And she was like, I want to, you know, move into more of like a administrative type of like role right now in my life. And I was like, so by, and, and like, she, like, we were just having this conversation. I hadn't even said that I was hiring. Like we're having this conversation. I'm sitting here going like, did the universe just bring me like the perfect fit? Like, what is, like, what is happening? And like, we started talking and the dollar amount that she like needed to make this happen was like within like a couple thousand dollars of like the amount that my mentor was like, this is what you pay somebody annually for this. And I was like, like, I was just mind blown. I was like, holy crap. Like those are the best moments. I was like, thank you universe
1: more, please. Yeah. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Those are the best moments, but it really goes to show what happens if you allow it to happen. And I'm in this really unexpected um, transition right now where it is my nature to go, go, go. And if I have a vision to keep going and then to not stop, like life throw stuff at me, but I'm not going to stop. And You know, Hallie, I think it was just yesterday I sent you a message and I said, I really need to pause this one part of my life right now. And it feels really uncomfortable because I've never done that, but I need to honor that other parts of my life right now need more space. And I'm pulling my brain in too many different directions. And that was a really hard thing for me. I did want, I was waiting for Hallie to be like, this is what you stop. This is what you keep doing. And you, you gave me feedback, but it really, I had to empower myself and be like, this is the decision that I'm making. And I'm still uncomfortable about it. and I still question myself, but I just I just have to trust yeah. that I'll get back to it when I can instead of forcing myself to keep something going when I'm not authentically available for it, It's just not going to be successful anyways,
0: yeah. well, and, so. and I think when you do try to force something, right? I think everything takes longer. And it's like if you can just kind of focus your energy where you're feeling like it needs to be at this moment. It could be like two weeks from now where you're like, okay, I'm so glad I like hit pause because like I'm back. Right. Yeah. Or it could be two months, right? But I think at the end, I think you're gonna look back and you're gonna be like, Okay, I'm I'm glad that yeah. that's kind of how I tackled this because otherwise we're like chickens with our heads cut off, like running yeah. around, not like we can't, you know, you just it's just like way too much on your plate. Like it's you're too not much. And then at the right end of the day, it. yeah, you
1: need to be someone that I need to keep my inner peace wherever I can. And at the end of the day, I I wanna show up as the mom I wanna show up as, right? And if I'm pulled in so many directions where I feel like I'm doing everything poorly, my kids are getting the worst of me. And then I'm just not okay with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hi, I wanted to, you know, I haven't done the episode on this yet. I've alluded to it a few times, but I wanted to light my business on fire. I don't know, back in like February, maybe. And my, mm-hmm. my business coach was like, no, you're not going to burn it down because you worked way too hard to get here. So we're going to figure out how he's like, it's, and he said to me, he was like, it's going to suck probably for the next three months. And I was like, "What? I don't want it. <laughs> I was like, that's why I started this. Um, he was like, no, you basically need to revamp every single thing in the back end of your business, but that's why you're bringing on a full time COO. You're going to do it together. Like all these, he was like, that's, you know, and he didn't like say, you have to do this, this and that, but he was sort of like, let's take a deep breath. Let's, and I'm, and then I'm glad like that he kind of guided me in this way because I, at the end of the day, I didn't actually want to burn it all down. But in that moment, I was working like 80 hour weeks. My kids did not see me for like three solid months. My whole family was like, leave Hallie alone. Shit's burning down. Like she, her attention needs to be on the business. And it was like, to the point where it was like, you know, that vacation that mama wants to take you on. Yeah. If you wanted to like, like pay for that, like you just gotta leave her alone. And I was yeah. like, okay, don't say that because that's not really true. But at the same time, it was sort of yeah. like, you know, how do you tell children, like, don't talk to your mother because she's not emotionally available to you right now because
1: someone just yeah. left
0: her and her business over badly, but she owns it. So she's got to put on her big girl panties and show up and fix it all. You well, know? And I, I like- think
1: that's what's so important to know is as you know, you look at a business owner and you're like, that's so nice. You can take a vacation or that's so nice. You can pick your kids up from school. And it's all true, yeah. but There's also moments like that, or right now I'm having moments with my business where I need to be more involved and you never know when they're coming, but whenever they come, you better be available. Yeah. So
0: yeah. I, people, implodes, are, You know, there's seasons. Yeah. And it's been like that in both of my my, in my private practice where I thought like that was good and golden. And then it pulls me in for a couple of months. And I'm like having to put my online business ventures on hold, like my new yeah. things I'm working on. And people, if you've been following me since I launched my business, you've probably heard me say several times, like, Oh yeah, we're launching a pediatric feeding certification. You heard this with my Mayo course. You heard this with my Mayo certification. Like I say I'm doing this, and sometimes even say, like, yeah, my goal is like, you know, early next year. And then like a year goes by and you're like, Hallie, like what happened to that? And you're like, life, life happened. And unfortunately, like, I have to, here's the thing. If I have something new that I want to put out there that isn't in the works yet, or that maybe is like at the early stages and something else happens in my business, my attention and energy and my team, everything is going to go to our current clients. It's going to go to the current business because we, like you said, we need to protect the team, the patients, the families we're working with, the clinicians who trust me with their money, with their time, you know, that that's first and foremost because they're already a part of this community. And Mm -hmm. my attention is going to go to the community that's already invested in me and that I am, you know, reciprocally invested in. And after that, when I can get all my ducks in a row and move onward to now working on a new thing, then I will. And yes, I have teams of people, but if I don't have the brain capacity and my energy is not there. I'm not, I can't force it. It's just not who I am. And that's why sometimes, no joke, like when we were messaging yesterday, I was like, Jesse, there are things in my life that should have been launched a year and a half ago. And here we are. And we're in the beginning stages of starting to look into launching it. And you were like, okay, that makes me feel a little better, right? Like, yeah, cause it made me feel reality. so much better
1: because I got the ball rolling. I've spent so much, you know, energy into this other business that I feel really passionately about but all of a sudden my life kind of just unexpectedly needed my full attention and it's not like me to pause but I'm like hell I'll I'll try something new because this doesn't feel good and I don't think I'm going to be successful in what I'm doing anyways because I'm not fully yeah I'm not fully in it and there's a lot of fear involved of it it's more of a I should keep going and shit's just a word we don't need in our vocabulary. Not so, on
0: yourself. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. So if I'm shitting that I should yeah. do this, it's probably like a good indicator that I need to pause. It's
0: okay to pause. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think and, that's and part think- of
1: all of it. Is yeah.
0: at the end of the day, you're in charge of you. No one else is in charge of you. And I think that that's like the biggest life lesson that anybody can kind of learn is like, we drive our own ship and we make our own decisions. And, you know, that is both the beauty of being, it's like hurricaneing or something outside. Um, that's both the Miles beauty. It's
1: so sad. I'm in California <laughs> and Holly's in Florida and our weather cannot be more different.
0: <laughs> I'm like, if I could like turn my computers, you could, it's like dark and raining sideways and the trees are like flying sideways. I'm like, okay. And my kids get on the campus to come home soon. So fun. Um, anyways, I'm like waiting for a text and it's either delayed or I don't know. Um, anywho, Hi, neurodivergent business owner here, sidetracked. Yeah. So at the end of the day, all that to say, right? Like we'll start wrapping up because we could talk about things forever and we'll just have to bring you back for all these other fun business topics. There's just so Um, much to
1: talk about with business. And I think, listen, this is a little bit of my soapbox and you know this, when you're a woman business owner, your spouse is not at home, typically, maybe there's some, But your spouse is not typically at home making sure all the doctor's appointments are made and the orthodontist is called and um, the teacher is getting the gift and the class party fund is paid and whatever. You are doing that and you're running a business. And I just think a woman has more balls to juggle and it's it's a lot. So yeah, putting things on hold sometimes as much as you don't want to like ruin that momentum you just have to and you have to give yourself grace you know i don't feel i feel guilty if you're we human I, <laughs> we're, we're human, human. Yeah. it's so hard though to give yourself grace sometimes but if i'm not picking my kids up from school enough or i'm not at my clinic enough or i'm not treating my clients enough or holy hell like i'm supposed to take care of myself too you just i mean take I mean, a breath
0: last summer i dropped off my kids and picked them up from the campus every single day for seven weeks. This summer, I picked them up from the campus twice so far, and they're finishing their third week of camp. And I I think I've dropped them off once. And that was the morning that I was flying out to Maryland because I felt bad and was like, and also my husband was driving me there for <laughs>
1: there's that you know so
0: it's like seasons change and I I don't think that it makes you like any less of a parent but like we create these stories and we create these you know these versions of ourselves that we want to live up to and you know I think that it just comes down to like we can do a whole episode on this but just being super intentional with your time that you do have and also sometimes hitting pause like you said and realizing you know what Like my attention right now needs to go here and here and this other thing. It's it's just gonna have to wait until I have the capacity to come and and I've done that as a business mentor. Like I've paused and not taken any clients for months at times because I was like I have a couple. I really only want to work with a couple people right now. Like I won't be able to. I could take their money. People are throwing it at me, but like what I don't have the capacity or the energy. And then it really that's gonna be me taking time away from my kids and. I don't want to do that. And that's the choice that thankfully I have that choice now. And I, it's much easier to make decisions from a place of what do I want versus like, what do I need financially? Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that's also like a whole nother episode and conversation we can, I mean, that's a
1: big deal too.
0: Yeah. So we'll have to continue that like part two on another day, but, um, but yeah, yeah.
1: It's a lot. It's a lot, but also I think on the flip side, I really, as much as I feel like there's times I wish I was more available to my kids. I'm also teaching them that it's okay to do hard things and it's okay to struggle. And I don't try to hide it. I don't tell them all the details, but I sure don't try to hide everything. And, yeah. and it's okay you know, to go your, your dreams Yeah, do what you want to do. Yeah. I think it's great life lessons for them to understand. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. It's all, we could talk about all of it. I know. For so long.
0: I know. We'll circle back. We'll do more of these at a later date. Uh, But thank you, Jesse, so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. It was so fun. I mean, trust yourselves, you guys. Trust when you're hiring because if it doesn't feel good, it's not going to end good.
0: Yes. Trust your gut. I love that. Trust it.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Hallie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast.
0: If you found value in this episode and want to hear more of these MyoTots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple podcasts and share this episode on your social media platforms. You can access free resources and all I offer at HallieBalkin.com or pop over to at hollybalkin on Instagram to get all the latest updates.